there. Welcome to LiveWire. I'm your host, Luke Burbank. We've got a great show in store for you this week. Friend of the program, Dave Hill, is going to swing by. Of course, he's a comedian, an actor, a musician. I mean, what can't he do? He's also a writer. His latest book is The Awesome Game. And in it, he is attempting to answer what, well, Dave thinks is the ultimate sports question, which is, why is hockey so incredibly awesome? And why is it not even more popular here in the good old US of A? And also how we ended up playing hockey with Kenya's number one hockey team. We're also going to hear some music from Julian Saperiti, AKA Nono Boy. It's gonna mix in some important history and also some amazing musicality as he always does on the show. We have a great episode of Livewire coming your way this week. Stick around, it all gets started right after this. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of LiveWire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you can call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Elena. Hey, Luke. How's it going? It's going good. I took an eight-minute nap before the show. Ah, was it refreshing? Surprisingly. Huh? Very refreshing. I am, like, feeling amped for this week's episode of Station Location Identification Examination. You ready to try it? All right. I've taken a zero-minute nap, but I'm going to give it a shot. This is a toughie, okay? I want to really, like, level set here as we embark on this. Of course, this is where I quiz Elena on uh, somewhere in the country. Livewire is on the radio. She's got to guess where I am talking about. This is a uh, a place that is, along with Cuero, Texas, a place that claims to be the turkey capital of the world. Maybe it's the co-turkey capital of the world. Is it Turkey? Are we on in Turkey? <laughs> Not that I know of, although, I mean, with the internet, who can tell? Yeah. This is a place for many years has participated in something called the Great Gobbler Gallop. And this is, you'll like this part. If you win this, you take home the Traveling Turkey Trophy of Tumultuous Triumph for the oh year. Oh my, okay. I think this is a race involving turkeys. And uh, I guess the turkey that na that runs in the race is named Paycheck because the claim goes, nothing goes faster than a paycheck. <laughs> uh, is it Wisconsin? Uh, not quite Wisconsin. Minnesota, Minnesota. <laughs> yes, you exactly right. Worthington, Minnesota. You've done it again, Elena. This is where we're on KNSW Radio as part of Minnesota Public Radio. So shout out to everyone in Worthington tuning in from uh, Turkey Town, USA. Should we get to the show? Let's do it. All right, take it away. From PRX, it's Live Wire! 
This week, comedian and author Dave Hill. I, I love hockey, but I, I don't like any other sports at all. Like the sound of a football game depresses me. Like the, the cheering <laughs> and the, the, the enthusiasm. With music from No-No Boy. So during the pandemic, when we're all locked up, uh, we decided to go to this cemetery, not because we're particularly macabre, but for the history aspect, because there's a story everywhere, folks. And our fabulous house band. I'm your announcer, Elena Passarello, and now, the host of Livewire, Luke Burbank. Thank you so much, Elena. Thanks to everyone tuning in from all over the country, including Worthington, Minnesota. Uh, we have a great show in store for you this week. We have asked the Live Our listeners a question, as we often do. We've asked, what, in your opinion, is the most awesome game? Because that's the question that Dave Hill is trying to answer in his latest book. We are going to be hearing those responses coming up in a minute. First, though, we got to kick things off like we always do with a little... Best news we heard all week. Best news. This is our reminder at the top of the program that there is some good news happening out there in the world. Elena, what is the best news that you've heard all week? Well, the best news I've heard all week is this story, but maybe the worst news y'all have heard all week is that I'm about to tell the story because it's a sports story. And I am not great at knowing words and things about sports, but... Well, I, I don't know what sport you're actually going to be talking about, but there's a decent chance that I've spent too much time thinking about it slash betting on it. So great, whatever it is, I've got your back. <laughs> so this is about free throws. And I do remember this from when I was in high school. We would make all this crazy noise when the opposing team was trying to make a free throw. We'd like slam on the bleachers and say like, miss it, miss it, and all this stuff. And jingle keys. We would jingle our keys. Well, uh, I'm here to tell you that Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan has taken this to the next level. On February 4th, Oakland was playing Cleveland State in basketball, and Cleveland State has a 90% free throw average, which I believe means they make nine out of the 10 free throw shots that they take. Yeah, that's pretty good for a team average, yeah. Yeah, but not good if you're Oakland, because, uh, you know, they want them to miss it, miss it. So the swim team showed up to this game, I guess, for some like intersports solidarity. They sat right behind the opposing team's bucket, which I believe is what you call it in bucket ball. Then somebody uh, made a foul or something and needed to take a free throw. And the swim team was right behind there and they all had on Speedos. And some of them, they were bare chested and some of them had written OU pride on their chest. And then when the free throw happened, they got into this crazy formation where the guy who had the U on his chest was in the center and three other guys were behind him holding a plastic bag. And then this guy named Dane Charleston, who's also a swimmer, showed up with an electric razor and started shaving the head of Ian Allen. <laughs> and the guy missed his second free throw. I would have, too. That is a truly bizarre scene to have unfold there just along the baseline. And it kept happening. Every time somebody <laughs> fouled or got fouled on or whatever and got to take a free throw, Ian Allen showed up. So he got one side of his head for one free throw, another side of his head for another free throw. Then another um, swimmer showed up and they did it to his hair. But uh, it's great, too, when you see the the like sportscasters talking about it. They go, college was fun. And then you look at the behind. It's like a shot from behind the free throw line. You just see this 
mass of people. It looks like a Renaissance painting. The cheerleaders are holding these gold pom-poms and there's this big circle around this guy and all these arms and limbs. It's amazing. So the final score was 83 to 71 Oakland. What, what? And (laughs) Cleveland's free throw average went down to 67%. No player sank both of his free throws. (laughs) <laughs> because of the shenanigans that were happening thanks to the swim team. <laughs> now there's a lot of pressure, though, on the basketball team to show up at the swim meet. Yeah, what do they do? Truly distracting. I don't know, but they're going to... They grow their hair really fast. <laughs> that is a pretty clever way to really throw the other team off. From from trying to kind of mess with people to trying to really, really save someone's day, uh, the best news that I saw this week takes us to... Greenville, South Carolina, where a woman named Melanie Harper was at the local recycling center and was, you know, separating out her plastics and her paper. And she accidentally separated something else out that she didn't realize at the time, which was her wedding band, (gasps) which fell off into one of these big, giant, like, receptacles for this stuff. Like, how big? Uh, I've seen a photo of all the stuff that was in the receptacle uh-huh. and it's massive. Like it's not like the, uh, the little thing you might wheel out like your driveway. No, we're entering dumpster territory. It's basically all the townsfolk coming down and throwing all their stuff in a number of these different dumpsters. And part of the problem was she didn't know exactly where she lost it. She got home and realized she didn't have her wedding band on anymore. And so she, emails the city's public works department. Has there ever been an email sent in human history where there would be less of an expectation of anything happening? <laughs> like, I mean, you want to talk about needle in a haystack, right? Like, to whom it may concern, some number of hours ago, a very, very tiny piece of metal fell off my finger into a very, very large thing that has all this other stuff in it. And I don't even know which one it went into. Well, Would you believe that the folks working down at the recycling center took this very seriously and they spent the entire day dumping out every one of these containers and receptacles and making this wild pile in the parking lot and picking through all of it. And amazingly, they actually located the wedding band. They found it. They did. And it turns out this is not even the first time Recently, this has happened in Corpus Christi back in the summertime, a 17 year old had been at the um, like the waste treatment place there in Corpus Christi, and she had lost a ring that had her father's ashes in it. As you might imagine, that was like a very, very important. And Lauren Perez, who was the park supervisor for this particular facility, she and two of the other employees, a guy named Jesse Martinez and somebody named Robert Trevinko, this is in 100 degree weather went through and picked through every single bag and thing and 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 sort of piece of garbage, et cetera, where this little ring for the 17-year-old could have been in literally the last bag that they looked in. It's always the last bag. It's always the it? last bag. In the last bag they looked at, they found <laughs> this young woman's prized ring that had her father's ashes as part of it. Um, so good for them. I will tell you the one thing that seems almost like providential like this was meant to be the story back in greenville south carolina the guy who found the wedding ring his name is travis golden oh yeah it's like his name should be like travis find your stuff (laughs) (laughs) he was meant for this travis metal detector yeah totally (laughs) that was the other guy who found it so people going above and beyond uh that is the best news that i heard this week 
let's get our guest out here. He is a comedian, writer, actor, and musician who you have seen in so many places. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Inside Amy Schumer, Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. Uh, he's also a writer of many books, including his latest, The Awesome Game, One Man's Incredible, Globe-Crushing Hockey Odyssey, in which he searches to answer the ultimate question in sports, which is why is hockey so incredibly awesome? This is Dave Hill. He joined us on stage at Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon. Take a listen. Dave, welcome back to Livewire. Thanks for having me. Um, This book is really, really great. Oh, thank you. And I have to admit, I've interviewed you before. I do, when I think of Dave Hill, I think of someone who is sort of culturally Canadian, even though you're not. Sure. But well, you, yeah. you, you're grown, you grew up in Cleveland, but uh, your, your granddad, uh, Clarence, That's right. was a deeply Canadian man. How did that influence Full, you? Fully Canadian man. Uh, <laughs> he, well, I, yeah, he was from Clinton, Ontario, and, you know, my siblings... And I were tossed onto the ice at like two and a half, like just rinse the placenta off us and throw. <laughs> we were skating like very early and we like we had to. It was no, we had no choice. And my sister, I remember when, when she was about 10, one day said, I, I don't like skating. I don't want to skate anymore. And my grandfather said, uh, what good are you if you can't skate? <laughs> and I was like five or whatever. I was like, he's right. You know? uh, so... Yeah. So that was a formative moment for you. I had a very Canadian upbringing for a guy from Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, where do you think hockey ranks in the kind of hearts and minds of Americans versus like the other sports? It's something you lay out you in know, the book. You know, I'm glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> it's my, my tireless research, uh, <laughs> Google. It is, uh, <laughs> it's the number six sport in, in America and only 5% of Americans admit or acknowledge uh, any interest in the sport. But I think we can get those numbers uh, to 6 or 7% in the coming decades. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Were you surprised? Because as you write in the book, anecdotally, you've always been obsessed with hockey, which has led you into a lot of situations when you're talking about hockey to someone who doesn't seem to care about hockey. Which is to say most people. Right. Uh, Was it oddly satisfying for the data to back up the feeling you've had for your whole life? Yeah, yeah. It's a good feeling. Um, No, it's a lonely way to, you know, be in the world. Uh... I, I love hockey, but I, I don't like any other sports at all. Like the sound of a football game depresses me. Like this, the cheering <laughs> and the, the, the enthusiasm for it. I just, because I, I think like, oh, I have school tomorrow and everyone's telling me to shut up because they're watching the game. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. It's the sound sad. of the Sunday yeah, scaries. Yes, yeah, yeah. sad little boy. Um, but yeah, and I, I'll, you know, don't even get me started on the basketball, baseball, I'll tear all those sports a new one. Really. Yeah. I kind of like soccer because it's vaguely... It, it, pump the brakes. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like a, a, a not nearly as good version of hockey. You know? I, I will say that I, I, I didn't grow up a huge hockey fan, although I was from Seattle and we had the Thunderbirds, part of the like a junior hockey league. Yeah. Um, and so I became familiar with a lot of amazingly named cities in Canada as part of the, the junior too. hockey league. Yeah, yeah. I was obsessed growing up 
with Canadian, because oh, all the all the players I knew where everyone was from, like Bobby Clark, Flynn Flon, Manitoba, <laughs> Mo- Clark Gillies from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Sure. I went to Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Because I was like, what paradise is that? You know, like <laughs> Moose Jaw. And you get there, a bit of a letdown. But, uh, <laughs> but it was great. Uh, you know, just the, Throwing you know, medicine hat? Medicine hat, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Sault Ste. Marie. Just, it's endless. I don't know if we can say this, but Dildo Newfoundland <laughs> is one. We'll edit that out. <laughs> we do have to take a, a very quick break. We are talking to Dave Hill here on Livewire. Stay with us. We'll be back from Revolution Hall in just a moment. Hey, Elena. Hey, Luke, I didn't see you there. It's that time of year again. My seasonal allergies are back. Oh, congratulations. But also, it's our spring member drive, which is happening right now through May 17th. Oh, I like that much more than seasonal allergies. Yeah, if you are not yet a member of Livewire's League of Extraordinary Listeners, well, now is the time to do it. Why? Well, because this League of Extraordinary Listeners... Uh, is what keeps the lights on over at Livewire Inc., uh, which is definitely not the association that we are part of. Uh, probably a 501c3. They don't let me near any of the paperwork mm-hmm. or bookkeeping, and it's really better that way. Yes. Point is, we we are only able to keep doing this show because of support from our members, and we would love it if you could join us in that right now. Plus, there are all kinds of sweet perks, including... Uh, special discounted tickets to live recordings, on-air shout-outs, exclusive content. Uh, And, Elena, uh, one more thing that, of course, we would not be a self-respecting public radio show if we didn't offer this. If we didn't offer the most iconic public radio swag of all time, a tote bag. True iconic status. Yeah, but it's not just any tote bag. This is like a really good tote bag. It's got a second zipper, an internal zipper. Yes, whatever you want to put in the tote bag, that's your business, okay? What we're mm-hmm. here to talk about is you keeping Livewire going. So head on over to LiveWireRadio.org to see the various member levels. It does not matter how much you are giving every month to Livewire. It just matters that you do it because it goes a long way for us. So thank you. Vacations, weddings, birthdays, and reunions. Oh, my. There's so much going on. Get the most out of your spring plans by stocking up on pre-alcohol now. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night, drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Go to zbiotics.com slash livewire to get 15% off your first order when you use livewire at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash livewire and use the code livewire at checkout for 15% off. Thank you to Zbiotics for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Welcome back to Livewire from Revolution Hall, Portland, Oregon. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarella. We are talking 
with the wonderful Dave Hill about his uh, latest book and his love of hockey. You, you sort of set out in this book to try to kind of just immerse yourself in the world of hockey, something you love, and also maybe figure out a way to get more Americans on board with it. Kind of like, what's step one of that process? Read the book. It's all in the book. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> That's fine. I, I think there's just a lot of just sit down in front of it because I, I mean hockey just the sound of it the skating the pucks all that like I put games on I'm not even just like the way some people would put on like Shark Week you just put it on <laughs> mm-hmm. and it just adds to the vibe in mm-hmm. your home I think uh, yeah I, I love it's all like of that it. fireplace channel that I've been yeah, using yeah a lot actually it, yeah yeah it's a, the exact same thing and I I think just the the uh, the sweaters or jerseys, uh, as they're known. I call them jerseys, and people get mad I call them jerseys in the book, even though they are hockey sweaters. But I do it to entice the lay person. Right. right. Yeah, I don't want to freak them out. But there's a team in Finland, uh, the Tempra Ilvis, who have this amazing jersey. Uh, Ilvis is finished for Lynx, and, uh, and the, the, it looks like it was drawn by a, a child. Uh, <laughs> like, in the best way. Like, uh, like yeah. A, yeah. But I tried to order it online. It was like $75 shipping to get, get the jerseys. And I was like, I'm not falling for that. I flew over there. <laughs> flew over there. Saved 75 bucks. Yeah. It's just a, there's all sorts of tips in the book. Yeah. It's really, yeah. it's as much a financial advice book <laughs> yeah. as it yeah, is it, yeah. a love letter same, to hockey. Exactly. Same thing. I went to Kenya. Same yeah. thing, just yeah. for the jersey. I actually want to ask you about the Ice Lions here in yeah. a minute. First, though, uh, you played hockey in Cleveland, in the in the suburbs of Cleveland at St. Ignatius, where there was an article in the student newspaper that described you as having, quote, a slap shot that could destroy a small town. Um, who was it who wrote that article? Uh, that was me. That was me. I wrote that. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I, I, I just I wrote the the story very objectively. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's, my teammates weren't too happy about that. <laughs> Did it say, like, you know, Wildcat hockey is on the move by Dave Hill, and then it's like Dave Hill with a slap shot that could destroy a small town. Was it yeah. clearly written by you? Yeah, one thousand percent. I, you know, I didn't think anyone would connect the dots or. <laughs> I didn't expect it to haunt me all these years later, <laughs> but here we are. Um, you write in the book about going back to your high school and uh, skating with them, but what has happened over the intervening years is the St. Ignatius Wildcat hockey team has gotten way good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, when I, when I was on the team, I played, I was on the varsity team for four years. Stop it. That's enough. Uh, but... Uh, but when I was on the team, the players, we didn't look like the same species. Like, just all giant kids, little kids. And it was like the bar scene in Star Wars or something. But now that they're state champions, they're amazing. Wow. And uh, they have, like, cool... They all, they're, like, better looking. They have better hair. Everything. Just superior beings. Were you nervous to be out there with them and skating around in practice? Because I hadn't really thought about like how potentially weird it's the kind of thing that I played high school sports and the idea of going back to the school and seeing the coach and having fun that sounds good on paper and then there's a moment where you're just like 
by yourself putting on hockey gear as like a 40-something-year-old man before anyone's even in the locker room. But it's like kind of weird. Oh, yeah. And some of the equipment was my equipment from when I was on the team. (laughs) Like, it was, I mean, it was like Field of Dreams. Like, they walked in, they're like, who's this guy from the 80s? And I was already dressed. For some reason, I thought, it would be cool if I'm already in my pads when everyone shows up. Oh, no. So this middle-aged man just standing there like, hey. Hey guys, I've been I've been locked in here for three days, uh, and I swear, like some of the kids were like snickering as they walked in. It was very uh, and then the coach uh, Pat O'Rourke. I literally had my same gloves when I was like in high school, and uh, at the end of practice, he gave, he's like, "Here, take these," and he gave me his gloves. <laughs> So I think he felt sorry for me. Um, yeah. How did the kids respond to you being there? Did they like high five you? Did they largely ignore you? Completely ignored me. <laughs> uh, and then when we when we you know we get out and we're like warming up and I'm I'm doing my like my uh, groin stretches, which is it's a cool <laughs> thing to do if you want to fit in. Uh, you get on the ice, stretch out the groin, and uh, I'm you know I had it pretty well stretched. <laughs> And then the coach, Pat, calls everyone around, and he's like, we have uh, Ignatius uh, alumnus with us today, uh, uh, Dave Hill, and uh, he played, uh, played on the team back in the 80s. And there was this audible gasp, like these kids were <laughs> terrible, like, what is, where this kid came from a time machine? Um, and they're all, they sit on the boards, like, uh, during, the, they were scrimmaging, and I scrimmaged with them. They, they made me... Uh, a, a third defenseman, which isn't uh, normally. There's just two, <laughs> but they're like, Dave, we'll, we, we, we'll just let you kind of drift around uh, with us. And they all were sitting up on the boards, and it t- I couldn't. I wanted to look cool and do that too, so it, it took me a while to finally get up there <laughs> each time. But I, I, I'm confident if someone were at the practice and they were on the opposite side in the bleachers in the top row and that were didn't wear their glasses, they'd be like, "There's another teen." <laughs> Playing hockey. You, you then, you ended up going to a game. Would you mind reading the pep talk that you were fantasizing about giving the St. Ignatius Wildcat team? I'm going to set this up for the folks here in the theater and listening uh, on the radio. So you go to a, a St. Ignatius game. You're watching them. In the first period, they're actually kind of not having their best game, and you're sitting there in the stands kind of thinking about what you might need to go down and tell them to give them a real kind of like win yeah. one for the Gipper Turn type Turn things of, around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, it, it's been my dream to give a speech like this. Uh, and I was kind of making eye contact with the coach, like, I'm here, you know. <laughs> and uh, But no reaction. But yeah, this is what I would have, would have said. Uh, and I, I walk in, I go, you guys disgust me. <laughs> And uh, and there in the footnote, I'd, I'd, it says in the footnotes, uh, I'd make a point of saying it just as I was slamming a locker door, kicking over a trash can, and or soiling myself for <laughs> emphasis. <laughs> All proven attention-getting techniques when delivering an important locker room and or motivational speech. So you guys just uh, cut me off whenever you like. Uh, y- you guys discuss me. Also, real quick. It just now occurred to me that some of you maybe didn't see me with my helmet off yesterday, and as a result, have absolutely, absolutely no idea who I am. So before I continue, I just wanted to be clear that I'm Dave, the slightly older guy, 
who skated with you guys at practice yesterday, even though a lot of you guys probably assumed I was some amazing transfer student who just got <laughs> off the plane from Sweden or something because I'm so good at hockey and about 500 other things I don't even have time to get into right now. <laughs> Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, you guys disgust me. <laughs> and you can bet your ass I didn't insist on borrowing my girlfriend's mom's car, even though she said she needed to use it to go to Joanne Fabrics today, just so I could come watch you guys sit around in your own defensive zone like you're having a damn picnic with little sandwiches and soda pops and potato chips and whatever else people have at picnics. <laughs> And then the note says, I'm guessing it's right around this point that Coach Pat or one of the assistant coaches would probably try to quietly pull me aside and ask me to return to the stands. <laughs> but that's when I, I just hold my hand up while staring at the floor as if to say, damn it, just let me have this one. Besides, we could have avoided this whole scenario if I'd just been invited to the winter sports rally. <laughs> Which, that, there was a winter sports They didn't invite me. Um, anyway. Do I need to... Back to the speech. Do I need to... We, this is a special five-hour episode of the show. Yes. Uh, do I need to remind you guys... We've asked them to cancel Hidden Brain. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be on all morning, wherever yeah. you're hearing this. Uh, let's, let's, get, let's go after all. I'm Terry Gross. She said yeah. it too good for too long. Uh, <laughs> do I need to remind you guys that you're playing against a team that calls themselves the Lancers, for Christ's sakes? Last I checked... A lancer is just a guy with a stick. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do you think a guy with a stick has a chance against a wildcat, some rule-hating cat from parts unknown that will never understand in a million trillion years? <laughs> Hell no, not on my watch. Um, then there's a lot of uh, specifics about what a wildcat is, which I... <laughs> a, a one, again, another thing you learn in the book. That's Dave Hill reading from The Awesome Game. Um, uh, you Here on Livewire... Uh, it wasn't just your old high school that you went to to um, immerse yourself in even more hockey. You went to um, Kenya? Kenya, yeah. <laughs> just that... hockey hotspot that is Kenya. Well, yeah, because I'm, I'm really uh, into the hockey sweaters I mentioned. Like one night I was Googling like best non-NHL jerseys because I prefer the non-NHL jerseys are always too safe. Like, you but... feel like that's holding the NHL back, their oh, jerseys. Oh, big time. Like the minor leagues and European leagues, they have like, like Sudbury Wolves, one of the greatest jerseys. Again, it's like a wolf. I mean, they're right. That's half the battle, right? Uh, the logo is a wolf, but then it's got blood on the fangs and they even have a second patch of a drop of blood going oh, nice. across the jersey. And it, again, it looks like it was drawn by like a 15-year-old in the back of history class. <laughs> like, like, we need a logo now. Anyway, so I, this list comes up, Kenya Ice Lines, and I was like, that must be some small town in Canada I've never heard of or whatever. I'm like, oh, no, it's the, the more popular Kenya. Um, <laughs> and so I wrote to these guys, and the jersey's amazing, and I wrote to these guys, and I you know, asked if I could... Uh, go over there and uh, and play hockey with them. And, and uh, yeah, so I flew there. And I thought I was just going to be like, these guys, they're going to really learn a lot uh, from me. <laughs> but uh, I, took, I, t I took a beating over there, i got to be honest. Were you surprised by the dedication to hockey in a place where you don't grow up with it? It was so cool. Uh, Ali Kalanga, who's sort of the elder statesman of the team, he's over 40. Uh, yeah, ooh, uh, gross. Uh, but uh, he, this is amazing because he told me when he first saw hockey, he didn't understand how the players were moving 
he'd never seen ice skate. Like he was just like, how are they doing that? Like, uh, right. So I was like, that is so cool to didn't be he like see it in source magazine. The first thing, yeah. In a hip hop magazine, he <laughs> saw there was like an article on hockey. So you never know. I mean, like, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just wild hearing how he got into it. And these kids were, yeah, soup. They played for five hours. Ugh. I thought we'll play for like an hour or two. That's reasonable. <laughs> and but we were playing. The rink was closed, so we played roller hockey. And I'd never played roller hockey, but I assumed my amazing ice hockey skills would just translate. <laughs> and we're playing in it like this parking lot in downtown Nairobi. And I it's just going on for hours and hours, and they're literally like hawks circling above me. You know, <laughs> they're just waiting for me to keel over and rip my flesh. You know. And I asked, I asked one of the players, Benja, I said, how, so uh, how long do you guys play? And he's, he just says, we play till we can no longer see the ball. <laughs> and I was like, oh, gosh. Oh, well. And it was <laughs> five hours. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Five hours. <laughs> did you go the distance? I did, but, I mean, only because I flew, you know, halfway around the planet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was uh, I'm still a bit sore from it. And this was two years ago. <laughs> This this show goes out to, you know, like hundreds of thousands of people a week around the U.S. And I'm curious for for those uh, folks who need a little convincing, what can you tell them right now about what they are missing out on by not being as hockey obsessed as you are? Because the point of this book is to try to convert more Americans into hockey fans. I'm glad you asked. Uh yeah, I mean, also, you know, if I made just the, the book is nonstop hockey action, but there's also, I mean, I just think it's a, it's just a literary classic. Even though <laughs> There's other stuff in the book, is my sure. point. Like, when I was in Kenya, I witnessed a baboon steal a loaf of bread from a bunch of school children, which is hands down <laughs> the most amazing thing I've ever witnessed in my life. Because I was at the Nairobi National Park, and there's like a bunch of these like six-year-old kids, and they're dressed in these like cute little matching uniforms and, and like having a picnic. And then I see a baboon come like from, and my baboon access has been very limited, right? In Cleveland. Like I, yeah, I have no, I'm like, I've seen these on TV. I don't know what they're capable of. Grabs a loaf of bread and like kind of he's like, am I going to get away with this? Am I going to get? And then he gets a little further away from the kids and he's like, that's right, I stole your bread. <laughs> <laughs> and he and then he gets further and further away and he's like, just like flipping out. He's like, yeah, I got your bread. And then on the other end, there's like a parking lot. There's three other baboons waiting for him and they're like, oh my god, Dan, he got the bread. Whatever they call him, you know. Yeah. And. <laughs> He's running with a loaf of bread, and they're like, yeah, we're having a, like, we're stealing those kids' bread. And then the baboon runs right past them. They all turn around, like, where, where is he going? And um, <laughs> anyway, I was like, that baboon's going to be the president of the United States. It was amazing. <laughs> and honestly. It was amazing. Honestly, I would take that. Yeah. I would, yeah. at this very moment, absolutely take that baboon for yeah. president. Yeah. Just a man of action. Yes. Yeah. Baboon of action. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's other... Yeah, there's other stuff. There's lots of stuff Bad, in the there book. There is baboon content. I know, <laughs> yeah. you know. Again, not, it's not just hockey. No. But there are parts of it that are about hockey, which is something that we wanted to sort of lean on your expertise for. Um, obviously, hockey is not the number one sport in the U.S. the way that you would be hoping, but there is a part of American culture, it turns out, where hockey is way popular, and that is romance novels. Yes. That is right. According to the Washington Post... As far as sports romance novels go, hockey is the most written about sport in sports romance novels. Books like Icebreaker, 
where Anastasia Allen has worked her entire life for a shot at Team USA, and nothing will stand in her way, not even the handsome, sexy captain of the men's hockey team, oh. Nate Hawkins. Yes. Don't, don't get me started. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> also, who, it's flawed, but right. it's good. It's not your book. It's not my book. Which is very <laughs> no, romantic. No, but I didn't know about this genre of uh, <laughs> hockey romance novels, uh, which is, you know, goes a little past romance once you get in there. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, but I went, I was like, how soon am I going to have the number one hockey book in, in, on Amazon or whatever? And I was like, I got to take out like 20 of these romance <laughs> uh, novels first. Uh, have you targeted pucking around? In which Rachel Price, these are real books I'm telling Pucking you about. Pucking around, I yeah. was like, all right, I will get. Star- I will have that on your desk tomorrow morning. Uh, that's already a book, I guess. Yes, Pucking mm. Around, in which Rachel Price shares one magical night with a man. No names, no strings, never thought she'd see him again, but she was wrong. Turns out Mr. Perfect is the playboy grinder for the Jacksonville Rays, uh. the NHL's hottest new hockey team. Mm. <laughs> wow. So it's a Florida hockey Ooh. story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that one has it all. You can tell. And grinder. I mean, is that a term? I mean, outside of the dating. Well, app? yeah, it has a different meaning um, in hockey than it does uh, in the app I just deleted. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it means uh, it, there's actually a. A blurb from Sean Avery on the cover of Ooh. my new book. It said, I, it, it, he wasn't setting me up for this, just coincidentally. It says, Dave is a grinder. Sean Avery, former NHL star. Dave is a grinder. He goes to the hard, hard to score areas and sacrifices his body for the awesome game. Very nice blurb. Clearly hasn't read the book. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, those are the best blurbs, you know. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, sort of book titles and very, very, very moderate research, uh, we here at Livewire, we're always looking to diversify our income streams. Mm-hmm. And we have come up with what we think are some pretty decent titles for a hockey romance book, but mm-hmm. we don't have really any of the plot. And so we were hoping that you're obviously a recognized expert in hockey and romance. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we thought maybe we'd run a couple of these by you and you could help us kind of flesh out maybe like the plot. Yeah. Okay. Lay it on me. All right. Uh, is that a Zamboni or are you just happy to see me? I'm Sarah, the shy but sexy equipment manager. Mm. Oh, yeah. And then there's this guy, Danny, who's new in town, <laughs> just, you know, just trying to rebuild his life after what happened in Denver. And uh, yeah, he's a Zamboni driver, uh-huh. you know, and uh, he takes her for a, f- a few laps. Right. Mm. Yeah. By which I, I mean sexual intercourse. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's how- the, the gist of that one. Mm. Okay. Uh, how about a book called Slapshot? I let Brandon score the winning goal because I'm dying to score with him. Yes, me, Jackson, the shy but sexy goalie from the other team. Ooh. I like this. Expand the genre. Yeah. Jackson, um, and this is hockey lingo. Jackson takes it in the five hole. Let me explain. <laughs> let me explain. Go, goalie, you have, there's, the, there's one, two, three, four, there's low stick side, low glove side, high, and low, and then the between, when you have no other shot, you shoot for the five hole. And okay. That, it's right sort of between their legs, literally. That's exactly right. And then it, it, it checks out with Jackson as well. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Oh. And I'm just talking hockey here. Right. Yeah. 
How about uh, this uh, title for a hockey romance book? Pucker up, Mr. Hockey Man. Th this is the title? Yeah. <laughs> Pucker so up. first try at this, what is okay? It from 19, this is like from 1942. Well, because... <laughs> yes. well, this is the thing. Mr. What we found out looking up hockey romance novels is roughly 80% of them use the word puck as part of the title. These are real ones. There's, uh, we've already mentioned pucking around. There's pucking wild, puck buddies, pucking the captain, puck around and find out. It's really the kind of There's like... There's not a romance novel called Puck Around and Find I Out. I want there to be. That was more aspirational. No, I'm just going to call it lazy writing. They're just using Puck over and over, which is, you know, implying, you know... Yes, yeah. another thing. Five Midsummer Night's stuff. Dream. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, everyone hearing this out in Radioland and here at the Revolution Hall, let's buy Dave's book, The Awesome Game, and try to move it above those other... Yes. <laughs> those Please. other bodice rippers on the Please. hockey romance. Sweater rippers. Sweater rippers. Thank you, Elena. On the hockey romance. I, this is my promise to you. If you buy my book and don't thoroughly enjoy it, you can take a shot at me in the five hole. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Hill, everyone, right here on LiveWire. That was Dave Hill right here on Livewire, his new book, The Awesome Game, One Man's Incredible Globe-Crushing Hockey Odyssey, is out and available now. Hey, special thanks this episode to Corey Zanin of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hi, Corey. And also Bianca Youngers of Portland, Oregon. Hello there, Bianca. Corey and Bianca are part of the Livewire member community uh, which is amazing, but what's even more amazing is that they are supporting our show generously each month with a donation. And that, well, that's how you can make a public radio show week in and week out. So a huge thanks to Corey and Bianca for keeping live while you're going. This is Livewire from PRX. Of course, each week on the show, we like to ask our listeners a question, just kind of get to know them a little better. And since Dave Hill was talking about what he thinks is the awesome game that is hockey, we wanted to know from our listeners what, in their opinion, is the most awesome game. Elena has been collecting up those responses. What are you seeing? Oh, here's a great one from Sam. Sam's most awesome game, playing Wordle with my daughter, who was just learning how to read and spell we have a dance party when we win. I saw this TikTok of, I don't know, like a first grade teacher maybe uh, leading her students through a game of Wordle that she had on the classroom projector. And when the kids figured out the Wordle, it was like Super Bowl Sunday. Like they Aww. screamed. They, they were so happy. And then they were close. They would be like, oh, and then they'd hit the button and they were flapping around. It was so great. <laughs> I promise you those kids are all better at Wordle than I am. Are you not a Wordle? Wordle. I'm just not good at it. It's I'm bad at at uh, Wheel of Fortune. Oh. I'm bad at Wordle. I'm bad at anything where you give me some of the letters but not all of the letters. That just my brain does not compute that information very well. Not your most awesome game, Wordle. No, that's not. But I'm very happy for the listener that it's their most awesome game. Well, maybe maybe this is your most awesome game. It's Martin's suggestion: 
toe wrestling, which Martin discovered on YouTube one night. Martin says, it's so intense and absurd. It became the most awesome game in my eyes. P.S. They do the same thing as arm wrestling, but with their toes. I, I mean, I feel like your arm has like an elbow and like the ability to like make the wrist, you know, like like with the over the top, you know, yeah. like who can forget the Sylvester Stallone epic over the top? Probably the best, maybe the only blockbuster movie about arm wrestling. Yeah. How does that even work from a kind of like a biomechanic standpoint? I wonder if it's foot wrestling and and, and whereas arm wrestling is not finger wrestling, you know, so maybe maybe we've got the wrong sort of part to whole analogy set up here. Well, Martin is loving it, so that's all that counts. I can't wait to check it out. All right. What's another most awesome game that we may not know about, but our listeners want to tell us about? Marceline says, freeze tag is my fondest memory of playing a game. Man, that was fun. I have, like, literally not thought about freeze tag <laughs> in the last 30 years, but it dominated my thoughts as a kid. I couldn't freeze. Like I just, I was just had too much in me. Or like I try to do like a really creative pose that's like hard to hold with like your hand up in the air or like one, two, three dead bug pose. It really came down to how truthful a person are you? Because to be honest with you, when you got frozen, it was never a cool position. How do you win that freeze tag? I can't remember. I honestly, it was always like the recess bell rang yeah, before the, we got to the bottom of that no story <laughs> at Daniel Bagley Elementary School. All right. One more awesome game from one of our listeners. Okay, uh, this is another game that I've never heard of before. It's called Tejo, which Charles describes as Colombian horseshoes with explosions. Okay. Are those the players exploding with rage when they don't get there? You know, or is this like a horseshoes and hand grenades? That's, I hadn't even thought of that connection, but there, I mean, that would certainly <laughs> up the stakes, right? Horseshoes when I was growing up was a very kind of genteel thing that the older people, particularly the guys, would get up to at some point in the barbecue. But if you were able to combine horseshoes and hand grenades... You might have Teo. <laughs> you know, it'd be dangerous. <laughs> All right, thank you to everyone who sent in a response to our question this week. We have got a question for next week's show coming up in just a moment here, so stick around for that. In the meantime, i got to remind you that this is Livewire. I'm Luke Burbank. That's Elena Passarello. We have to take a very quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we are going to hear some music uh, from somebody who's also incredibly historically knowledgeable. It's our friend No-No Boy. Don't go anywhere. Livewire is thrilled to be partnering with Portland's own Portal Tea this season. Formerly known as Tea Chai Tay, Portal Tea is the premier tea company in the Pacific Northwest. And they make one-of-a-kind handcrafted tea blends like cinnamon churro chai and blueberry cream earl grey. Use the code LIVEWIRE, all lowercase, for 20% off at portaltea.co. Welcome back to LiveWire from PRX. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Okay, before we get to our musical guest, a little preview of next week's program. We are going to be talking to comedy great Maria Bamford, who you might know from the Netflix show Lady Dynamite, which she was the star of, or something that's a little deeper in the Maria Bamford catalog, but which I, to this day, love, which is the kind of seminal comedy documentary called The Comedians of Comedy. 
Yeah, back in the day. Just kind of how there there was the kings of comedy, which was like the really cool, like selling out arenas comedy doc, and then there was the comedians of comedy. Yeah, that was very <laughs> a little more low key. Um, also, Maria has done an entire stand-up comedy special for just her mom and dad in the living room of her childhood home, uh, which was hilarious and weird, like everything Maria does. She has a book out now called Sure, I'll Join Your Cult, a memoir of mental illness and the quest to belong anywhere. And she talks about all kinds of stuff in the book, 12-step programs, the Suzuki violin method, mm. which turns out not not a cult. <laughs> uh, we're also going to hear some music next week from the very talented musician Isabeau Vaya'u Walker, who's going to talk about her childhood growing up on Maui and how that has influenced her life and her career. Plus, we're going to be looking to get your answer to our listener question. Elena, what are we asking the listeners for next week's show? Well, in honor of Maria Bamford, we would like to know what is the closest thing to a cult that you have ever belonged to? I'm hoping that the responses are like Amway. Yeah, right. LuLaRoe. <laughs> right. Things like that, right? Not maybe, although I don't know if you were in a cult, cult, let us know. That'd be interesting content. Anyway, if you have a response to that question, hit us up on social media. We are at Livewire pretty much everywhere. This is Livewire from PRX. Our musical guests this week tell stories rooted in years of research and relationship building that was developed as the central component of his PhD work at Brown University. His latest album is Empire Electric, and it further examines narratives of imperialism, identity, and spirituality. It is available right now from Smithsonian Folkways. This is Julian Saporiti, also known as No-No Boy, who joined us on stage at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon. What song are we going to hear? This is a song off the new album. Thank you for asking. <laughs> this is uh, called Western Empress of the Orient Sawmill, and we'll get to it, but as a history teacher, I would be uh, uh, remiss if I didn't tell you that there's a really important place just um, east of here in the Gresham Pioneer Cemetery. There's a big Japanese cedar tree. So during the pandemic, when we're all locked up, uh, we decided to go to this cemetery, not because we're particularly macabre, but for the history aspect, because this Japanese cedar tree, there's a story everywhere, folks. And in the middle of the cemetery, the reason that was planted was because it marks the grave of the first Japanese-American settler in this state. Um, 1880, this woman named Mio, Mio Iwakoshi, comes over with her Scottish husband, who had gone to Japan to teach former samurai how to plow. And they came over with an adopted daughter named Tama, and they start working this uh, sawmill. They call the Orient Sawmill. And Andrew dies, the husband, uh, pretty soon after. But then uh, Mio lives a good life, and she helps all these uh, Japanese folks come over and start the Nihon Machi, the Japan town here in Portland. She gets the name the Western Empress. But when she dies, she can't legally be buried in the Gresham Pioneer Cemetery next to her husband. So she can't have a headstone. So they plant this Japanese cedar tree. It was only decades later that um, we have the good sense to, one, revoke this whites-only rule, again, that keeps coming up in Oregon history, and then allow uh, a commemorative uh, uh, headstone to be placed at her grave. So, um, again, you know, trying to teach these... Uh, teach through these little songs, a little secret history lesson, and uh, we'll play this song, and 
And uh, thank you so much for listening. It's called Western Empress. No No Boy right here on Livewire. Make sure you check out his latest album, Empire Electric. All right, that is going to do it for this week's episode of the show. A very big thanks to our guests, Dave Hill and No No Boy. 
Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Heather D. Michelle is our executive director. And our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko. Eben Hoffer and Molly Pettit are our technical directors. And our house sound is by D. Neil Blake. Trey Hester is our assistant editor. Our marketing and production manager is Karen Pan. Rosa Garcia is our operations associate. Jackie Ibarra is our production fellow. And Becky Phillips is our intern. Our house band is Ethan Fox Tucker, Sam Tucker, A.L. Alves, and A. Walker Spring, who also composes our music. This episode was mixed by Molly Pettit and Trey Hester. Additional funding provided by the Regional Arts and Culture Council and the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation. Livewire was created by Robin Tenenbaum and Kate Sokoloff. This week, we'd like to thank members Corey Zanin of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Bianca Youngers of Portland, Oregon. For more information about our show or how you can listen to our podcast, head on over to livewireradio.org. I'm Luke Burbank for Elena Passarello and the whole Livewire crew. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a piping hot episode of Livewire delivered right to your heart and ears each week? Well, guess what? That can happen when you subscribe to the Livewire podcast feed and you'll get the joy of surprising conversation every week. So go ahead and do it. It's super easy. You click on the button at the top of your podcast app and bam, you are Livewire subscribed. And if you're still, you know, feeling the love, if you're enjoying the show, hey, maybe you could hook us up and uh, leave us a quick review. That'll help more people find out about Livewire. And thank you.